0: You're miserable, you're mad at God, and Satan just snatches that truth out of your heart, and you just ignore it. That's the first soil. The second one is this. As for for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. You're like, what? Wait a second. There's a person who can hear the word and receive it with joy? Like maybe even pray a prayer? Maybe even come to church and, and, and think they've given their life to Christ because they like the idea of who Jesus is? Yes. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. We see this in youth all the time, by the way, parents. We see kids that grow up in Christian homes, and they go to church, and they do all the things, and they follow all the rules. But but the moment they leave your house, the moment they get persecuted, the moment they have to be challenged in their faith, they fall away. Do we say they're not saved? Do we say that? No, oftentimes we say, oh yeah, they're Christians. They prayed a prayer when they were five and yet they're living the way they want to live. They're doing whatever they want to do. It's very dangerous for us to make that claim because Jesus says, listen, they've lost something. Notice this, verse 22, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and it's proven unfruitful. Unfruitful. This idea that Jesus is saying, listen, there's people that hear the word. There's people that engage in Christian traditions and do all kinds of really religious things. And yet, the cares of the world are what they really care about. All they're concerned concerned about is their 401k or how nice their house is or what their cars look like or what their status is in the community. And Jesus is like, listen, the cares of the world has stripped away your fruitfulness. You're not engaging what I've called you to be. Jesus even says this in Matthew chapter 7. This is a powerful one. All of us struggle with this one. He says this in Matthew chapter 7 verse 21. No one who says to me, uh, 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 not everyone, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? Did we not preach the word? In your name even. Cast out demons? In your name even. And do mighty works? In your name even. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This concept, this idea of the branch being half in, but not in, and God saying, listen, I want to remove them from the equation. What is missing from these people? What is missing? What is Jesus saying is missing from these branches, these people who are like halfway in, but not all in? These people that are just, they're part, but they're not of the whole. Who are they? What are they doing? What's missing? Well, let me tell you what's missing. It's called fruit. It's called fruit. This is what the vine story is all about. It's about Christ saying, I am the access of your success. I'm the one who produces fruit in your life. Your life will be transformed by who I am. Success cannot be achieved apart from the production of fruit. Success in eternal rewards cannot be done without us being fruit Notice what John the Baptist says in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 8. He says this. This is him talking about Jesus coming. Bear fruit, he says to the people of the crowd, in keeping with repentance and do not presume to say to yourselves, I have, we are Abraham's father. We're church attenders. We go all the time. My great grandmother was a Christian. I'm a Christian. Hmm. For I tell you, God is able to from these stones raise up children from Abraham Even now the ax is laid to the root of the tree. Even uh, every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I want you to understand something today as we close this series. When God says, I am, when Jesus says, I am the vine, he is saying, I make a radical transformation in the lives of those who abide in me. I make a radical transformation. I am the vine. Claiming to have prayed a prayer, claiming to be a believer should give you no confidence when you stand before Christ. What gives us confidence? What is it that grants us confidence? It's this, a life connected to the vine. Every believer in this house knows that they can stand before Christ with confidence because not only their faith is in faith alone, through grace alone, but that their life represents that incredible forgiveness, the life full of fruit, a life of godly success. Is that you today? Is that you? Do you live this life full of fruit? Do you live this life where your goal in life is to glorify the God? It's so exciting to, listen, I just want you to know I'm old, older, older. (laughs) And I know some of you in this room were like, that music was so loud, I can't take it. I almost agreed with you. It was loud. But there is no one in the house today there's not a Christian sitting here that can say, oh, my goodness, they're just praising God a little too loud. <laughs> you could take that up with him. Oh, God, you want us to be dignified. Praise the Lord. No, no. Wow. Let's shout his name. Let's declare his truth. I mean, <laughs> let's live a little differently. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's like living on the edge. I know a lot of you when I preach get nervous about me bringing around this step. (laughs) My staff is like, I'm just waiting for you to fall down those stairs. I like to live on the edge. But the truth is this, living on the edge for Christ transforms your very essence, who you are. The I am clearly warns us that if we're not part of the vine, we... If we're part of the vine, we will produce fruit. We've got to stop, church, acting as though we've just prayed our prayer, we received Christ, and that's the end of our story. It's not the end of our story. We're just beginning because Christ is the vine. He is the one. So what in the world? You're like, Pastor Ron, uh, yeah, great. But, but what is fruit? What is fruit? Well, let's just, let's just do a little homework. What is it that we talk about when we're saying, you'll produce fruit? What is it that your life as a Christian is pursuing? What is it that we should be longing for and working towards and desiring in our hearts that the Holy Spirit would convey in us? What is it that we should walk around with such incredible boldness and lack of fear, fearlessness for the Christ, the cause of Christ? Let's read Galatians chapter two. We know the fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, men and women. Against such thing there is what? No law. Why is there no law against such things? Because let me just tell you something. The world full of this cannot have enough. How much goodness can you have in a day? You can't have too much. You can't be too gentle. You can't be too kind. You can't be too loving. This is why Christ's way is unlimited. Our freedom is overwhelming because what God has called us to do, we can be all in. We can shout. We can scream. We can worship God. We can do the works of God with all vigor. Why? Why? Because there's no law against it. Like God's not going to say, ah. there are things like that that God says, eh, don't, don't get too excited here. But this stuff, absolutely not. This fruit that God has called us to be. How about this one? Philippians chapter 1 verse 9. And it is my prayer that you love many, abound more and more. That your love for many would abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may prove, I love that word, approve what is excellent. That you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit, listen to me, with the fruit of righteousness that comes through who? Christ Jesus, the vine to the glory and the praise of God. Wow, fruit of righteousness. This is what we're talking about, righteous living. Notice Ephesians chapter five and verse eight. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the the Lord. Walk as children of the light. What is the fruit of that? For the fruit of light is found in all that is good, all that is right, and all that is true. Is this how you're living? Is this the proof that you have fruit in your life. Why? So that you may discern what is pleasing to the Lord and take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. The end of that parable we were earlier talking about, about the soils, talking about how you can be halfway in and halfway out. That parable ends with the last soil, which is the good soil. And it says this in Matthew 13, 23. As for what is sown in good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands the word, He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in one sixty and one thirty. Christ is reproducing, fruit is, is reproducing Christ's likeness in our life. Fruit that we're talking about, when I say, hey, is your life full of fruit? It is producing Christ's likeness in your life. Pursuing something on a whole another level, the idea of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These things are critical. Fruit is producing what is good, right, and true. Fruit is producing, reproducing you in someone else's life. If you're not investing in the life of another, if you're not looking to those who do not have or are not grafted into the vine, I challenge you. Get up off your feet, have no fear, start sharing the Word because our goal in life is to produce fruit, people who love Christ. Why do we have a church so we can fellowship and worship the King? Absolutely, but our job as a church, as a unit, is to glorify God by sharing His Word with all that are out there. We have got to change our mindset of what this looks like. This is not just inviting somebody to church so they can hear the preacher preach. This is you engaging in a personal relationship with people that are lost so that you can tell them the good news of the gospel. This is what it's all about. So success is not without cost and responsibility, but success also does not come without discomfort and pain. Success does not come without discomfort and pain. You see what's interesting about this story and when Jesus is saying it, he starts off really hard with a warning. Hey, listen, I'm gonna discard everyone who, who I, I, is in part. But I want you to know the ones that are in whole, the ones that are all in, I'm not done yet. Notice what he's gonna say. John chapter two, 15 verse two, he says this, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And then he says this, and every branch that does bear fruit, that's you and me, those that are believers, he prunes that it may bear more few, fruit. Oh my goodness. Like, like I'm not just satisfied. How many, how, how many people do you know? Well, I, I led somebody to Christ back in 1927. <laughs> when I was a third grader, one time I shared Christ with my, with my friend. I'm good. I produced the fruit. <laughs> no, no, no. no. That, this, this is not our heart. This is not our attitude, this is not what Christ's desire is. Christ's desire is that our spiritual life is never ending, it is always improving, it is always being molded and chiseled and created in the image of Him. And I'm here to tell you, I have a lot of work to do. I have a lot of work to do. Christ is constantly pruning on me, He's constantly stretching me, He's constantly making me a better believer, He's constantly challenging me in my struggles. If Christ is not doing that to you, you might want to ask yourself, am I in the vine? Because that's what Jesus does. Jesus is working in your life to make you in his image, and his desire is for you to know him on a whole nother level. Are you in the vine? Notice verse John chapter 15 and verse 3, already you are clean because the word that I have spoken to you. Again, he's talking to his disciples. Hey, listen, You guys are in. You understand this. You know this. Notice what he says in verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Abide in me. This fruit that we're supposed to produce only can come through the word. The fruit of spiritual success can only come through Christ. It can only come through Christ. I want to say that again. It can only come through Christ. What is your and I's biggest battle? Pride, arrogance, self-reliance. It's my problem. I want to do things my way. I want to do things on my own. So often, I do not stop. Listen to the Spirit because I hear the Spirit. Let me give you an example. Men in the house, your wife begins to say something. It doesn't matter what it is. Before the second word is out of her mouth, men, now I'm sure most of you are like me, I finish the sentence for her, amen, because I can read her mind and she does not need to waste the breath. And then you proceed to tell her what she was about to tell you and you get to the end and she says, well, that's really great, but that's not what I was going to say. You know it. You know it. I'm so guilty of that. I think it just happened yesterday. <laughs> Church, we do that to God. God, He, he just starts to, ah, and you're on. <laughs> That's not how it works. Listen, when we are looking for spiritual success, when we understand that Christ is our source, it's not abiding on Sunday. It's not when the plate walks by you like, oh yeah, here's $20, God, I'm good. It's not these small little things that you think in your mind, hey, that I'm just, that's good enough. I'm okay, I'm all right, I got this. No, church, listen, God wants your whole heart. He wants your tithe and offering. He doesn't want $20. $20. He wants you to understand that he's God and he's the source of all things good. He doesn't want a little patent. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping me out here. Thank you for helping me out here. No, listen, he's looking for your soul. He wants you to be all in. He understands something that when you are in him, you will do incredible things. You have to abide in the vine. Notice verse 5, it says this. He says it again. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am he in him, he it is that bears some fruit? No, 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 no. Much fruit. You want to know how you and I can just evaluate our own selves? We can just be brutally honest in our prayer closet, in our moment, and we can say, listen, do I see the fruit of God in my life? Do I see it? The problem is most of us don't wanna to go to that closet. Most of us don't wanna go on those knees and say, God, evaluate myself. Let me, let me just self-evaluate. The Bible says, judge yourselves so you don't have to be judged. We don't like that word, but the truth is this, we will know whether we are abiding in Christ by the fruit in which we are producing. It transforms who we are. Success in a fruit-filled life can only come from one source, without him, You can do nothing, which requires us to do something. When you hear these words, when you understand what Jesus is saying, when he says, I am the vine, it should absolutely put you in the most humble position ever. Because apart from him, you can do what? Nothing. 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 How quickly do we forget that? Nothing. And what we think we're doing that is something is actually nothing. And so we're deceiving ourselves into believing we're doing something when we're doing nothing because we are not in the vine. And we are not living this way. Church, we have got to change the way we think about our Christian faith and what it looks like. Notice verse 7. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Notice those words, my words. Isn't it interesting how when we don't get our prayers, answers it's like... There are words. A lot of times there are words. They're not his words. They're not what his desire is. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Notice the whole purpose for you and I. Our purpose for bearing fruit, the reason why this is so absolutely fundamentally important is because it's all about bringing glory to the father. This is what Jesus constantly said. "Ah, It's not my will, but His. I'm here to do my work of the Father. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. Church, everything you do, it's all about Him. Your job, your work, your kids, your wife, your husband. Doesn't matter. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. This is why it's so easy for us to separate ourselves from sin. Why? Because it's all about Him. It's not about us. I don't have to worry about the flesh and make excuses for my sin. No, it's all about Him. It's not about me. And so we find ourselves struggling with the battle of who's going to be God, me or him? Who am I going to glorify, myself or Christ? As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. So abide in my love. Again, why is bearing fruit so important? Because it fulfills our ultimate goal. Your reason for breath here today is to bring glory to God. And that glory to God is revealed in the fruit that you produce, not in what you want to do, not in what you think is right, but what God's plan is for you. This is a hard saying, people. This is a hard saying. The will of the Father to bring glory to Him, our greatest success, the very best thing that you and I can do Above all of the things, not to say, "Hey, I produce good kids. I'm 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 good," or "Have a great successful job. I'm good," or "Hey, I've been faithful in church for 35 years. I'm good." No, no, no. It's all about bringing glory to God. How do we do this? How is this done? How do we bear this fruit? How do we show this work? He continues in this passage, successful branches, successful people, the ones that bring glory to him, produce fruit because they keep his commandments. I'm afraid, church, this word commandment has become a dirty word in churches today because we're full of love and grace, and I I, I hear you. Praise God for God's love and grace, amen? We are all sinners. (laughs) Me more than most. The point is this it still doesn't change the fact that this is how we glorify God. Notice in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. In other words, the book, the word of God is not for us to miss out on life. The book is for us to actually abide in him. He says, listen, these are the things that fruit equals and this is how you do it right here. Oh, keep my commandments and abide in my love. Just as I have what? Kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. This is Jesus speaking. These things I have spoken to you that your joy may be, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Notice this, that he says this. He says that his joy will be in you and your joy will be full because it will be his joy. Where does he find joy? Where does Christ find joy? He expressed his joy in his trial. He expressed his joy in self-control. He expressed his joy in persecution. He expressed his joy in obedience. How did Christ express his joy in his life? The very things that we're supposed to express our joy in. We don't look at the Christian faith as something that's difficult and hard and, and this battle and oh my goodness. No, we look at it as joyful. How can I learn? How can I grow? How can I do better? Not to beat ourselves up. Listen, no, no, no. Not to constantly beat ourselves out in our insignificance, because we are insignificant, but to understand that our humility and our grace towards God is in how we follow and pursue him with our whole hearts. Notice verse 12, it says this, this is my commandment that you, oh, not only do we keep his commandments, but this commandment, I'm just going to point out because it doesn't get done enough, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than a man lay his life down for a friend. You are my friends if you do what I've commanded you. You see, successful fruit producers love God. They love the brethren. They love the lost. And they love their enemy. They love God. They love the brethren. They love the lost. And they love their enemy. Listen. We are missing the boat in America today. Something has been taken from us. When we look at church after church after church after church that's failing, when we look at church after church after church that's in conflict, when we look at churches that that don't seem to have any power, when we're looking at churches who don't seem to have it together, listen, I'm telling you this because I'm telling you that churches must understand something. By the way, church being the assembly, not this building— The people, this church, you, the reason why sometimes we find ourselves struggling is because we don't comprehend what it really means to love. Our love is for self, which is not in the vine. It's just something outside of the vine. We are called to love. We're challenged to obey his commands, and that command, the number one, is to love. But he wraps up. This challenge. He, he wraps up this story by challenging each and every one of us, and let's just look at it right here. In John chapter 15 and verse 15, he says this. This is powerful, guys. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. We sing that song, I am the friend of God. Sometimes I think that we lie more in singing than we do in living. Sometimes I say, think we sing words because they make us feel good about who we are, not understanding the words that we're saying. When you say you're the friend of God, that is someone who abides in him, who is seeking to follow his commandments, who has surrendered humbly to pursue him with their whole hearts. Why? For the purpose of glorifying the Father, glorifying God. That's who we're called to be. Church, we, gotta, we can't miss it. We can't miss the point. We're here to glorify the Father. Notice how he continues. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear, what? Fruit. That your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in the Father's name, he may give it to you. These things I have commanded you so that you will love one another. Our challenge is powerful. The challenge today is powerful. It's this. Successful fruit producers know the source. They are friends of Jesus, and they live accordingly. They live an obedient life. They are chosen by Jesus, and they respond to his call. You who were chosen by Christ, you who held the very Holy Spirit convicting your soul, who said, I will surrender my life and follow you, we are called to respond. Successful fruit producers that are in the vine abide in Christ. We like to say it this way. We make a big deal about following Jesus everywhere we go. We make a big deal about following Jesus everywhere we go. Is that you? Are you abiding in Christ in such a way that everyone in the house, everyone that you walk around, everyone who knows you knows that you make a big deal about following Jesus? Because that is your life. And notice this, the last one was this. We love like Jesus. We make it a personal cause in this church to transform every soul, every life in the state of Alaska with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what God has called us to do. If you lived in Florida, your call would be to transform everybody in your neighborhood and everybody in your city, and everybody in your state in Florida. But our cause right now, our call is Anchorage. Our call is our neighborhoods. Our call is our families. Our call is the state. And we will continue to do so until we reach the entire world with the gospel. We can, listen to me, no matter what's happening politically, we can never lose heart. We can never lose focus. We can never say, well, the Lord must be coming back, so let's all just take a chill. Let's just all wait and watch. Remember the people that were watching? They got left behind. Let's not be them. Let's proclaim till the moment we hear the trumpet sound. Amen. Let's live accordingly <laughs> until the moment Jesus takes our last breath. Let's give our lives to Christ and abide in The vine. If you're here today and you don't know the vine, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to tell you something. You can do that right now today. You can give your life to the vine. All it requires of you is nothing, to be honest. He's already done all the work on Calvary. He's already paid your sin debt and mine. And by the way, the reason why in which we want to be in the vine is because we are sinners and we cannot have eternal life without it. We cannot be restored to the Father without a relationship with him that is given by him freely to you and I. And what does that mean? That means we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and we are not. We believe in our heart that he has the power over death, and he proved it on the cross when he died, was buried for three days, and rose himself from the dead. That power is the power we must believe in to have a relationship with Jesus Christ.